Welcome, everyone, to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 43. We're joining you every week to talk IT career, news, and opinions based on our points of view. I'm your host, John White, at BJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? I'm doing great, John. I want to make sure our listeners know we are VMware solution engineers looking to bring them the career advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. We hope our discussions will be relevant across disciplines and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Great, Nick. Uh, I've been holding my breath all week, waiting for the second half of our interview with Ethan Banks of the Packet Pushers. Uh, last week, we talked about his career path, and this week, we're getting into the beginning of podcasting and the transition to full-time media mogul. You know, when a hobby becomes a full-time job and more, is it still fun? That's one of the things I really wanted to know from Ethan. I hope our listeners uh, find the insight into what it's like behind the scenes of a podcast production as interesting as uh, we, as podcasters, do. Yeah. Insert clever comment here. Oh, that's what the script said. That must be the uh, behind the scenes stuff we weren't supposed to say. Anyway, enjoy the show. of ways to spend your day can you speak to what got you started podcasting was that something that you you needed to sharpen your technical skills a little bit more was it just for just for grins and giggles what was the how'd that happen podcasting was it was an evolution of blogging so in 2007 i started a blog uh ccie it was a study blog it was how i charted my journey to get ccie um that particular cert is at the time was cisco's top tier cert they've got more now they've added to the ladder but at the time it was well deservedly regarded as a very difficult cert to get a tough exam uh, written exam to qualify you for the lab exam which we had to travel and go take an eight-hour lab exam um and I started the study blog to just chronicle uh, literally all of my studies, everything I studied, everything I read in a book, everything I labbed that stood out to me. I blogged and I blogged, I don't know, a few hundred articles, I think, between 2007 and 2008. Um, you know, fast forward in time a little bit, I wanted to do something else and podcasting was starting to take off. And I thought, yeah, that seems like a, a cool thing, a networking podcast. I didn't find anything out there in that space. And I thought maybe it would work. Right around that time, uh, Greg Farrow, who also had a, a pretty popular blog called EtherealMind.com, had reached out to me. He was trying to recruit writers and build Ethereal Mind to be something bigger. And I was like, well, I don't want to write for your blog, but I had this idea of a podcast. Does that interest you at all? Because I don't want to do it myself. It seems like doing it with somebody else would be interesting. And he's like, funny, you should ask. I've been talking to yet another guy named Dan, Dan Hughes. And uh, you want to join us? The three of us can do this podcast thing. Okay. And that's how it started. We just got on the mic and figured out time zones and times to record. And the three of us would get on the mic and start yapping about what we did, you know, during the day. And, you know, uh, within the, the reason, the confines of good security and all that, we didn't, uh, you know, not too many details, but, uh, but we talked a lot about networking and, and it took off. 
But from again, for me, it was podcasting was an evolution of of blogging. I, I liked to write. I enjoyed writing. I built up a a decent audience of people that were cheering me on, and until I finally got my CCIE back in two thousand and eight, and um, uh, and podcasting was just another way to go. I liked doing it. I enjoyed doing it. I I'd done some audio work too. Now that I'm thinking about this, previously. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, I would do the, the sound for my church. Um, you know, you got to have a nerd to do the sound, you know, run the mic. So I used to, you know, run cassettes and you know, record the, uh, the, the special music and, you know, and that I deal with the mics in the church. Um, later on in later years, I mixed an album for a friend of mine. He was a, a musician and I, I mixed his album. And so I had kind of a, a little bit of a background in audio too, you know, like a, I was never a professional, but I, I had enough that I kind of knew how to record stuff and, you know, mix things and, you know, put out good product out the door. And so it felt like a natural evolution to me. I, I kind of understood how microphones work and, you know, all those sorts of things. And so it, it, it all just kind of fit, you know, it tickled my, my, my nerd button, you know, it's microphones are fun and recording things is fun and editing can be, editing can be wicked tedious, but editing can also be fun if you're a nerd and you want to get into that stuff. So Anyway, we just we just did it. The three of us started with it. Dan ended up working for AWS, I think, uh, very early on, and Dan uh, left us because of that. He wasn't able to keep going as a co-host. I, I think Amazon had rules against that or something. Anyway, he made that choice, and and then it was just Greg and I, along with you know a, a ever growing community of guests that we would bring in. And we kind of just never shut up. We just kept recording Pr- pretty, pretty rarely um, would we miss a week. Uh, yeah, there, was, there was some commercial breaks in there for one or the other of us. Like for me, I was, you know, struggling with some career stuff early on and, uh, you know, had paused to uh, take some divinity classes of all things uh, because I was exploring that that corner of things. And so I missed a few episodes back then, but you know, someone else stepped in and did some co-hosting for me. And then I decided to hold of anything or not for me. And uh, I came back to podcasting again, uh, full time and just, we never let it go. Um, just kept at it. My understanding, like, I don't know a whole lot about divinity school, but I don't think that you have to plug things in a whole lot, right? That's the, uh, you know, dude, it's so much philosophy. It's so much, trying to get your head around abstract concepts and things. It's not kind of what I thought it was going to be um, really at all. I thought it was going to be a little more practical. Instead, I walked away with way more questions than answers. <laughs> Lots of drop sure. packets. And not a lot of plugging things in for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Drop packets everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. I, my understanding is that you have to actually go to a, uh, um, like a, a spirituality, like um, school, kind of like Novell school, if you want to do hands-on stuff. Okay. Yeah, it de- depends on the branch that you go to. Yeah, I was in a I was in a Masters of Divinity program. Um, at that time, I was attending a church and was was involved with it, and it was it seemed like a natural extension of that. And then you know, getting into it, you find out it's not for you. You know, or in this case, it wasn't for me. And I you know I just I just spun back around and was like, all right, I'm going to focus on this you know technology thing. I'm going to going to stick with it. And, uh, and, and my buddy Tom that had co-hosted for me for a little bit to give me some freedom to do those classes, um, was, was happy to step back aside again and let me, let, let, let the Greg and Ethan show continue uh, as it was. So we're going, again, we're going way back in time, guys. This is, this is back to 2010. 
2010 here, I think, 2011 maybe. Now, mm. As you started gaining popularity, was it difficult to manage your time between work and podcasting and blogging? Oh, it was brutal. It was, uh, and that's not sarcasm. It was terrible uh, at times. Um, when you commit to a weekly show, that means you need to have a show every week. And you're like, oh, a week's like a long time. That's like seven days. I can surely, yeah, no, right. Okay, if it's just you and your buddy and the two of you are going to be the only voices on the show, that's one thing, and even that's hard. Um, you know, like I've jokingly said on the show, you guys have me up past my bedtime because this is the window when you guys can do this because day jobs kind of take over, right? Um so even when it's just you and, you know, a, a co-host and you're the show, it's hard. But when you have guests like we do, we always try to have guests on, subject matter experts, people that were interesting in the community to come on and talk with us. Then scheduling gets to be this nightmare of, okay, I have a day job. Um, I'm trying to fit in a recording for a show. The show has to get edited uh, at some point. That takes time to really do a, a good edit depending, especially if the guest that you're talking to has trouble speaking or is nervous, uh, or if you just, it's just not coming out well, the editing can take a very long time to get the best result from that show. Uh, then add to that family, add to that commuting. You know, I was at that point in my life, I was commuting an hour each way, at least if traffic was clear. So I was in a car for two plus hours a day. Um, yeah, it really. And then writing. Sure. I mean, you, you mentioned blogging. So I was also blogging at that time. I had, I experimented with a few different personal blogs. I was also doing some contract writing. I was writing for network computing. I was writing for tech target um, and so on during that window uh, as well. Just trying to, trying to hustle some cash, trying to make a little bit of extra money you know, writing for some of these outlets that would pay me a little bit. Um, and it got to be a lot over time, over a period of, of years. When you start with the podcast for fun, oh, hey, we got some downloads, sweet. And, you know, it's just kind of fun. It's like a little tickle. It's almost like getting a like on Twitter or something. It didn't really mean a lot, but it was cool. And, hey, we just kind of kept doing it. And then, especially in those early days, the numbers took off. And all of a sudden, we went from hundreds of listeners to thousands of listeners very quickly because there really wasn't anybody else doing this. And so we were really filling a niche. It, and it just, it, now it's like, oh, oh, uh, hmm, we can't not put a show out this week because we have several thousand people subscribed to the feed. You know, it's like a thing. Now it's like a job. Now it's a responsibility and it's a burden. It's like, well, Ooh, well, the content can't suck either. We can't just get on and kind of make it up as we go. You, you got to do research. You got to, you know, really plan. You got to think, well, well, we talked about this back in show, you know, 24. Um, so we don't want to do that show again, but we should build on it. And, and all of a sudden it's this like thing now where you're deeply planning and um, trying to come up with the right guest to hit the topic you want in the right way. And, you know, you're coordinating with, uh, you know, in my case, Greg, who lives in England. So we're five time zones apart typically. And, you know, that's a thing. And, um, uh, yeah, uh, this is a long way to say it's a big deal. It's a big commitment to do all of those things and be married and be dad. And, you know, all of that stuff that was going on is, um, is a busy week. It was a busy week. Every week was a busy week. Yeah. 
that accountability point to listeners who can be a burden that uh, I think people don't think about before they get into any kind of social media, like some, some kind of regular cadence, right? Well, there's a balance to that. I mean, when you like, like, like social media and Twitter and so on, you know, if I fall off Twitter for a week, no one notices because Twitter's just so noisy. I have a bunch of followers on Twitter, but it's not like if I went dark, I really think anyone would even notice. I tweet now and again, and people react or they don't or whatever. So that there's that world. Uh, blogging has it used to be that there weren't that many bloggers out there, and so you'd kind of miss it if someone didn't blog, you know, regularly. Now I don't think anybody notices that too much. I think some people think that people will notice, but people are subscribed to so many things now, and even TV is now all time shifted, where almost everything you watch is is some sort of a subscription or or some sort of a feed kind of service. Um, I, I'm still. Uh, I, I st I'm still amused when I see bloggers come up and go, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I'm sorry, I've been gone for two months. And I'm like, I, dude, it's fine. No one noticed that you were gone for two months. Everybody gets it. We're all busy. No one expects you to be sitting there banging in blogs for our education or entertainment, um, you know, every, every day of the week. It's fine. You know, it's cool. You were gone. Now you're back. Awesome. This new article you wrote is sweet. You didn't need to apologize about it. I hadn't even noticed. It's not personal. It's just no one noticed. It's just kind of the modern world has really taken us to that place where there's so much to listen to and watch and uh, consume and read and, you know, the waterfall uh, effect on Twitter and on LinkedIn and Facebook. You just, you don't even see individual stuff sometimes now. It can be difficult to hold an audience in that way. Um, you know, that said, when you end up with many thousands of people that are listening to you, there is an expectation that you're a, a, a regular creator of content. So you know, let's speak about, well, so if we take blogging and social, that aside as kind of a different thing that can have whatever interval in between content postings, I do think podcasts are a, a bit of a different animal where you do need to have a predictable cadence. People who like a show uh, like it because they bond to the people that are talking to them. Um, and it's it's more personal than writing. You write, and and if you're not overly edited by some editor, your your style and personality comes through and people might like that. But podcasting is different. You're in their ear. You know, you're right there sharing your voice with them in a very personal way. And people feel like they know you. You know, people feel like, oh my gosh, I've listened to you on the podcast for so many years. I, I've had that experience a few times where I'll go to a, a, a network operator group thing or Cisco Live or something like that. And people will come up to us that have listened to me and Drew and Greg and you know, for years and go, oh my gosh, I've been listening. I feel like I know you guys. You know, and that's right. It is. A, it's, it is a relationship that you build, and because of that, uh, in the podcasting world specifically, when you don't publish a show on your regular cadence. I think it's more noticeable there where people will detect, uh, hey, you were gone, man. I'm sad. No show this week. One of the shows in the Packet Pushers Network is the Network Break. I'm not usually on that one, but Greg and Drew do that one every week. They cover the news. They do analysis. You, everybody gets virtual donuts. It's awesome. And when that show doesn't go out on its regular um, cadence because we're traveling or whatever and the show ends up being you know a few hours or a day late or something people are tweeting out going hey where's my network break need my virtual donuts man you know 
that's that that's just the way that relationship uh, is that more personal touch uh, again you're, you're speaking in someone's ear and they're, they're hearing you and, and attached to you in that way um and you know, I'll give you a, you know, a really personal example of this. People that are in the packet pushers community and have been for a long time, we have kind of a, a famous, infamous show, Show 200. And in, in Show 200 of our, our – what at that time, we were only one channel. We were the, the packet pushers weekly show. Now you would find it under our heavy networking heading. We've kind of rebranded over the years. But in Show 200, Greg and I were – uh, at a bit of a depressed point, a little bit of despair because we had full-time jobs. We had a lot of responsibilities, both, um, you know, in the workplace and at home, you know, as dads and so on and, uh, husbands and packet pushers seemed like it was turning into this full-time job or it kind of had become a full-time job really. So we had two full-time jobs and it was too much. And we were like, is there a point in this? Why are we doing this? Why are we, why are we doing this? And in show 200, we had a very open conversation that we recorded and shared with the audience, um, you know, about the difficulty we were having and the struggle it was to keep doing all the things to keep, you know, being you know, a weekly show and that didn't suck and, uh, and also our jobs and, and, and maybe we need to not do this anymore and, uh, you know, and so on. And the outpouring we got from the community of emails telling us, you guys can't quit. You can't stop doing this. I love this show. You guys have changed my career. I've learned so much. We haven't. We collected them all in a folder. We got, I don't know how many dozen emails, some of them very long, uh, you know, of people basically begging us to not stop, to not, you know, Again, I, uh, trying to underscore the point that podcasting is somehow different. You, you build a different relationship with people through it. Even though you don't see them personally or maybe know them, they know you. You know, They know you. It's a different thing. Um, and so that cadence, that weekly or biweekly or whatever the cadence is that you establish, you you, you got to commit or people are going to you kind of lose their trust a bit and they'll more likely to not bother. You know, they'll go with, they'll go somewhere else. And they got a lot of choices, they got a lot of choices these days of podcasts to listen to. There's so many podcasts out there, people trying it that, um, uh, if you lose someone, there's a chance they may never come back. And so you want to, if your podcasting is important to you, you really want to, to keep up with it or have a real good reason of why you're not. Um, because again, because of that different relationship. It's, it's a very interesting uh, piece of psychology, right? If you're committing to listening to a show, you want to know that it's there, um, mm. that it's going to come back and then it's going to be back on a regular basis. Otherwise it's, it's a little bit difficult to, you know, commit the time. Like w w all of us, I mean, you were talking about it. There's a limited amount of time in the day. So why should I commit this 20 minutes to listen to what you're saying or 45 minutes or an hour or however long? You know, I only have, you know, 18 of those hours in a day, so. Oh, exactly. One of the most popular podcasts on the internet now is Tim Ferriss's show. One of the things that drives me nuts about it is I never know when the man's going to release another show. <laughs> now, his shows tend to be good enough that it kind of doesn't matter. I'm going to stay subscribed, but it does make me bonkers. When the heck is Ferris going to release something else? I never know. And then there's like three new shows there that are two and a half hours each, and uh, you know, and I just wish it was a regular thing. He can get away with it because he's Tim Ferriss. But, uh, you know, most of the rest of us mere mortals, every week or whatever it's going to be, you know, be consistent. 
Well, I, I mean, I, I don't know how you guys pick your podcast. One of the things I do is I look at that podcast feed. How often do they release? Do they release every Wednesday predictably or whatever the day is? Or is it kind of like, you never know. It's it's the random show. Woo. Which I think is actually a show. Anyway. Personally, I, I find it difficult to commit a certain amount of time. So I think that just about the longest podcast episode that I'll listen to is like, 70 minutes long and i think i'm pretty out there on the outer edge of you know being willing to listen to an episode that long oh that's a tough one yeah we we try to keep episodes pretty short um you know like an hour in my mind is kind of the kind of the the upper bound occasionally we have shows that'll go a little longer than that because sometimes in a technical topic especially you just need a little longer to really put a topic to rest um, but some things are better served by breaking them up. Um, I, I've experimented with with longer shows. Within the last year or so, we published a show that was pushing three hours long. Normally, that would have been a multi-part show, but we decided to do it all at once because it was one cohesive topic that needed a, it was complicated to talk through on, uh, on network automation with uh, Ken Salenza. And it's become, as far as I know, the longest single show we've ever published but for a reason, it, uh, again, that show kind of needed that uh, treatment. I guess we could have broken it up, but it felt right to leave it all as one long conversation people could consume at once. Uh, but on the whole, I'm with you, man. I, you know, it starts to get over an hour. It's like, uh, are we done yet? Yes, yeah. What, what are we? What are we talking about here? Is there is there more to talk about? No. Can we? Can we? Can we finish? Can you talk a little is bit a about? Hint? you guys are the hosts i'm here as long as you need me i was wondering if you could maybe talk a little bit about the process of turning something which was you know a hobby and done for pleasure and then starting to suck up all you know all of your free time and turning it into a business you know something that you were doing for a living um you know that's like a, a very typical entrepreneurial journey right and and i was wondering if you could maybe talk about what that looked like for you the decision to you know you know fully commit to that you know because yeah. sometimes it's not just oh i actually can make make the living but you know to make that emotional commitment to something which was fun and now it it has to happen you know regardless of whether i'm having fun oh it's even more complicated than that because most of my work identity had come from being um at that point um you know a hotshot network engineer you know building data centers and you know doing complicated things and um you know to make the packets move from point a to point b with firewalls and load balancers and the internet and bgp and you know and all the rest of it and if you're not doing that every day because you're talking into a microphone you know, are, are you worth anything? You know, you, you know, my mind went through a lot of those connections too. So it is, so, so, so let's talk through this, um, transitioning from part-time podcaster for fun to, you know, doing it full time. You know, there's, there's a few, there's a lot of things that actually tied into it. One, I had done IT operations for a long time. And, uh, you know, I think you guys know uh, operations is a grind. It can, it can wear you down over time. I did it for 20 years, um, you know, with a full-time employer uh, throughout that time. Plus, uh, often I had a side job. Like for a while, I ran a small little web and mail hosting service out of my basement. You know, I bought a business line for my ISP and uh, was running websites and mail services for people. Uh, you know, that was, again, that was a side gig. You know, I would do consulting 
after I was no longer at a consultancy, I had some customers that wanted to keep working with me, you know, even though I wasn't a consultant full time. And every once in a while, I'd get this job. Hey, can you come up and help us with us and so over the next, you know, if you, you know, I do that kind of stuff too. It's a grind. You know, I did all that stuff for a long time. I did a lot of certifications, all the late nights and long weekends that come with that stuff. I was on call a lot, you know, either in the early days I carried a pager later it was a cell phone and I'd have to lug a full support kit with me wherever I went. Uh, oh, going out for, going out to eat with the wife. Okay. You know, and you have the kind of the to-go bag you throw in the back of the car in case I get called while I'm in the middle of a meal with my family and someone needs me to log into something and, you know, and so a change felt right. I was kind of ready for that. Um, I mean, I, I remember driving down to a data center, you know, one morning getting towards the end of this and, uh, you know, getting pulled over by a cop and, you know, it was it was one in the morning. I was heading down to the data center for a 2 a.m. change, and he pulled me over because I was going too fast through a construction zone, and he was pissed uh, at me. He didn't give me a ticket or anything. He just told me to slow down. I was so tired. I barely remember a construction zone, and I wasn't going crazy fast or anything, but, you know, fast enough to catch his attention and, and pull it, pull over. I was just, I was just tired. I was just so, so tired, and that, that was IT. And I, I just, I wanted to do something else. And I remember in the early days of the podcast, as we began to find sponsors, kind of having this fantasy of, gosh, wouldn't it be great to just do this all the time and, you know, not have to be driving when I'm exhausted into a data center to do some, some change or another. Uh, you know, another piece of it was just sanity. You know, I needed to do the one thing doing the podcast and the writing and the full-time job was just, it was just too much. Uh, another anecdote. I remember I had some, some opportunities with some of these later jobs I had before I did packet pushers full time to work from home. And I remember sitting at my desk one day and then physically locking up. I, I had so many things, so many inputs coming at me between my day job and packet pushers stuff. And, Hip chat was open and my email was open and uh, maybe Twitter was up. I don't remember what all was happening. My task list was going off. I had th I had a whiteboard up in front of me, actually some panels that I'd bought from the, uh, the the Home Depot and then I screwed them into the wall just to give myself a big enough whiteboard to try to track everything I was doing. And I just remember having this moment of being frozen. My hands were above the keyboard and my trackpad just shaking a little bit. I didn't... Uh, I did not know what to do in that moment next. Um, I don't know if it was a panic attack or what you describe it as, but it was like this wake up call of, dude, you got to change something. This is not sustainable. Um, so that was part of it. You know, that, that experience I can still, I'm actually sitting in the same room that it happened, although it's a very different office right now. <laughs> uh, you know, another thing was, was money. Uh, you're making the change from an employer and healthcare and all the things that go on with that, you know, retirement plan to walking away from that means you kind of have your financial house in order. And uh, for me, what I had done over a period of years is every dollar I made in my side gigs and for packet pushers where we, if we made some money with uh, sponsorships, I pumped it all into the mortgage. Uh, every dollar I had just about like that went into the mortgage and I had gotten to a point where it was just about paid off. 
um, all the extra and the years of grinding away with the secondary jobs and, uh, you know, and the podcast had, had gotten me to that point where it was just about paid. And so the risk was a lot less than it would have been. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, it, my wife and I had talked about it many times over the years and we'd kind of agreed that if we could get to the point where the mortgage was no longer on the table, yeah, it's time to take that risk. You know, it, it is time. There were other job or um, other business opportunities I'd had in earlier years that I'd walked away from because I just didn't want to take the risk. But I mean, I, I had a, I could have started, I, me and a buddy of mine, we had started a very small consultancy, you know, business on the side, but didn't commit to it. I was too scared because of the mortgage. And, um, you know, that web hosting out of my basement thing, I actually could have turned that into something if I'd wanted to. I had the experience. Um, before I'd done, I'd done it at a larger ISP before I'd done it myself. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't push that envelope. Um, but, you know, my wife was, was good with it, with the money. And she, she wanted me to do the business thing anyway. She's always been kind of a champion of mine, a cheerleader and was really encouraging and believed that we could make it go. And so, uh, I, at that point was working for a medical information exchange company. They had hired me to build a national network um, but that is as far as they had thought about it. Um, they needed like millions of dollars to do what their vision was. And I couldn't get the, I still remember this. I couldn't get them to approve an $8,000 item to renew solar winds to monitor the network. You know, it's like, guys, you want me to build pops all over the country. This is a major investment and you guys can't approve eight grand, you know, come on. And I, I waited around for a year and a half. Oh, we're going to get funded. We're going to get money. It's going to be fine. As you know, uh, nothing was happening, and it was a it was a, a little bit of a, a frustrating situation for me. Um, so I did as much work as I could on the network. There, there were things that needed doing on there, but I didn't have any budget. I didn't have any money to do anything really. And the guy that hired me quit, and um, and I I left not long after that to do packet pushers full time. It was a good time to leave that medical startup and uh, and do that. And as it turned out, Greg. Uh, was having similar thoughts. He he had a, a long-term consulting arrangement that he was kind of ready to be done with for different reasons. And so in within, I don't know, weeks, no more than a couple of months of each other, he and I had the chance to just say, all right, we're doing this. And we did. And as soon as we did and started paying Packet Bush's full-time attention, the business just like took off. It was astonishing really to both of us how quickly it ramped up after we spent our full time you know putting processes in place and building sales funnels and you know learning the business and the business side of it uh it, it really took off it needed us to pay full-time attention to it to make it happen so so i think we're getting to the 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 wrap-up phase of this and we certainly appreciate all the time that you've given us Maybe um, if you can look back, are there, I think we've probably touched on a couple of these things, but are there, you know, specific lessons that you've learned in your career? You know, things that maybe, oh, now that I look back at that, I wish I'd done X, Y, and Z earlier uh, to get to, you know, so, you know, some of the things, the accomplishments I've done faster rather than slower. Faster rather than slower. Um there is a part of me that thinks I should have taken my crack at, at, at a full, becoming a full-time business owner sooner. Um, 
I look back at the consulting company that I started with my friend and, and I just didn't commit to it. Well, if I had, I kind of with the benefit of hindsight know that at that time, uh, a lot of consulting companies were getting, were, were launching and then would get bought out some years later. If I'd done it, the likelihood is uh, I would have been successful, me and the other guy that had started this thing and uh, and been bought out by Presidio or one of these, you know, big companies that did all the buying out, um, you know, and they, they still buy small consultancies now. Um I maybe should have done that. I should have jumped in and, and done it, but I was conservative. You know, I was I was scared, man. I was very scared, so so I didn't. So I, I feel like maybe it it would have been okay to take that risk, but I I, I lacked the confidence. You know, that was um, you know that's good and bad. I, I don't have a you know that's a personal situation where I look back and go, hey, had I done that, you know, that, that would have worked. That would have worked. Um, from a certification perspective, I should have gone for the big one sooner. You know, CCIE certification was one that I definitely was intimidated by. Oh, it's so hard. You know, no one, no, it's, it's impossible. You know, people, most people fail the test and, you know, and so on, all of which was true, but I, I shouldn't have let it intimidate me. I should have just jumped in and gone for it. Um, nothing to, if it can be learned by someone else, it can probably be learned by you. It could be learned by me. So it's a thing from a packet pressure's perspective. I mean, Again, it needed that full-time attention to hone processes and you know make it go. And if I'd done that sooner, it probably would have been a, a more success or a successful business sooner. Uh, but there were pieces along the way that we needed to get right faster. You know, I, I wish we'd figured out pricing faster. Pricing makes your business model. When you get the pricing right, you kind of know if you got something or not. You got to find the ceiling as fast as you can. You know, we, we found in the beginning, we were like, I don't know, uh, $500 and, you know, almost get laughed at because we didn't have any sense of how this worked or what marketing budgets were or what our, what our uh, ability to share with a large audience was worth or any of that stuff. You, you know, you got you to gotta get your pricing sorted. If you can do that faster, you kind of know pretty quick if you've got a business there um, or not. You know, but again, on the other hand, being conservative and being risk averse, that has its benefits too. You know, we didn't go out and raise angel investor money to do packet pushes. We just, you know, kind of ran it very carefully and slowly and, you know, that that's okay. That's worked out. It's fine. Sure. And it sounds like you made some financial choices that set you up to be able to take that risk when you were comfortable with um, accepting it, right? Because now we have no, you know, no debt uh, personally or in the business. And so if times get bad, it's not like we're going to lose the whole thing. It doesn't, yeah, that, that it has paid off to be conservative like that for sure. Yeah, I guess okay. each of us has to um, understand what our risk budget is, right? Like what we can accept, um, what, what failure means to us individually. And, uh, you know, so for example, if you had uh, taken the time to go for CCIE earlier and failed, like the amount of money that you would have lost would have been like the cost of the, um, the, the time, obviously the opportunity cost of, of doing something else, but, but really it wouldn't have meant that you got fired or lost your house because you didn't get the CCIE. Right? Exactly. A failed exam is a failed exam. That that's it. I, I failed a bunch of them. I got a whole notebook of the ones that I, I sure passed more than I failed, but I've got my failures too. What's, what's the worst scenario there? You learn something, you learned what you didn't know, go study some more. It's not, you know, it's part of the process. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know how you keep doing packet pushers 
fun. How do you keep it exciting, fresh, and not <laughs> something that drags you down? What, what are you saying, Nick? <laughs> I, I just, just curious. So, 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 Bag of Bushes is is fun for me um, because I still actually really like writing. I really like uh, podcasting. I still get a joy out of writing a script. I got three scripts I started today for some new Data Not shows that are coming up. I got three more I'm working on for uh, for heavy networking episodes. I love talking to people and picking their brain. I love researching. Um, so that's all fun for me because it's just fun. It just is fun. That's just part of it. It's something that I love to do. Uh, I get my brain stimulated constantly um, in this job. There's just no lack of things to be uh, be challenged by. Uh, in in the packet pushers role, we're trying to keep up with the very latest stuff that's going on and try to make it real, not just architecture. So there's a lot of architecture out there, but uh, trying to come to terms with you know how it actually works and what matters for people requires a lot of thinking and. And that all is, you know, is, is, is a great deal of um, fun, I guess. I, I don't know if fun is maybe the right word. I mean, it's not riding a roller coaster, you know, but uh, it's <laughs> I, I really like roller coasters. That's a thing of mine. Anyway, um, it's, so <laughs> I just happen to really enjoy doing that and, and, and sharing information and trying to break down complex topics in a way that anybody can understand is something that I really love doing. So it's not fun so much as it is the, you know, the thing that I, I, I love and enjoy. And it's not gotten boring after almost 10 years of recording shows. I've recorded several hundred shows now. Uh, I still love doing it. And I'm still learning how to do it. It's still challenging. I'm still trying to get better at it and, you know, and all of that. Uh, now, to be fair, on the business side of things, a lot of that just freaking sucks, man. There's just no way around it. There's no way you can make paying taxes fun. We operate in you know one state of the U.S. Uh, we're registered in New Hampshire, but we do business with companies that are all over the place, including California. Each of which has their own wonderful tax laws that, thankfully, I don't have to know anything about because I have a person for that. I have a tax accountant and an accounting firm that handles that stuff for us. The point being. Oh my word, you need to know like all of this kind of tax stuff that your company is beholden to. There's nothing fun about any of that. It's just like, oh, you have to deal with it. You know, you got to get it all sorted and so on. But what the job is as a core, you know, makes up for the the operational drag that is the minutia of, um, of, of running a business and paying your taxes and doing all the reporting you need to do and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And I don't want to overstate that, but... You know, every December and January, you'll find small business owners like me, heads down, trying to get all our paperwork assembled and make sure everything's in order. And every year we get a little bit better at it, uh, you know, smarter with our accounting systems and how we do our reporting to make the tax time you know, easier. So just just to clarify that, as cool as the gig is, the, the, the running a business part of it. You can delegate a lot of it, but as a as an owner, you still got to have your fingers pretty heavily in it. You don't want to just give it away to somebody else because you need to make sure it's done right. You're legally on the hook to make sure it's done right, no matter how much delegation you've actually done. So it's not all fun, but um, you know, and another piece of it, you know, why I enjoy the job is just people. I love talking to people um, and meeting new people. And the the most fun I have is having someone come on the show that's never been on the show before. I don't really want to talk to the most famous people that are out there, although sometimes we have people that are well-known in the networking or cloud or whatever communities. 
Um, I want the people to come share that work at an SMB and just finished a way cool project and want to talk about that. I want to have those conversations and enlarge the community that way. Um, and some people are like, oh, I, I have nothing to share because, um, you know, I work for this little company and we don't do anything exciting. You're wrong. Everybody has something cool to share and experience to share that are valuable to other people because no one's experienced the world like you have. Your viewpoint is unique and there's something different there that's worth sharing. I love having people on the show that have never been on before and I can I can have those kind of conversations with them. It's just uh, no end of a, of a personal delight. It sounds like you know, your experience as an individual contributor and then your experience as a manager, your love for technical hands-on things and socialization of technology have all blended together to help you prepare for this. I mean, looking back, it's it's kind of the perfect storm job for you based yeah, on your it, LinkedIn. It, it is, and, and, you know, and even more than that, I mean, I, I used to do instruction. I used to do, I used to teach some Cisco classes here and there. I taught some... Uh, an A plus class along the way, and you know, and I was a school teacher for a year. You know, the educational aspect of all of my background factors into this too. You know, being able to communicate effectively and teach things. So, yeah, it, it's I am in this weird and wonderful place where my background has kind of coalesced into this super cool gig that I have. Nick used to teach as well, and he says it's his uh, secret power. And, mm -hmm. and I always say mine is uh, my background in speech and debate. That's that's where we uh, get up to um, do uh, technical presentations in front of groups of people and all all those uh, all that juice and those skills you know kick in right. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing all the different parts of your background that you can draw from when uh, presenting to people. Yeah, absolutely. And John also has a book recommendation for any occasion. I'm sure he has one from something in this episode. I just you know we'll have to put that in the show notes. Whatever it is, I've right, been waiting right. for it, but. It, I don't, yeah. you know, I don't want to, you know, right now I'm, I'm still stuck on Dunning-Kruger effect, right? But uh, <laughs> um, we'll, we'll put we'll put the, the link to the Wikipedia page there. One thing I wanted to ask, Ethan, if there's somebody out there who has a story to share who might want to be on a podcast with yourself, how do they do that? How do yep. they engage you? Uh, there's a few different ways. Um, one, since you're listening to this show and I'm here, you can just send an email, Ethan at packetpushers.net. Happy to hear your um, your story or, you know, just pitch pitch the podcast idea, you know, whatever it is. Um, you know, chances are we'll, we'll, we'll sort something out and you're going to find yourself scheduled for a recording for one of the many Packet Pushers podcast channels. We got, we got seven or eight of them now. I'd have to check and see where we're at. But uh you know, if you've got cloud background, if you've got security background, if you've got, you know, networking background, of course, which is how we started, we have lots of technical shows and can can get you on. Absolutely. So Ethan at PacketPushers.net or um, we have contact forms at PacketPushers.net. You can, they're pretty clear. You just click around and you could submit your info that way and reach out to us in that, uh, in that manner. We get those forms and we'll read them and just make sure you have a good email address so we know how to get back in touch with you. And uh, we'll, we'll chat like that. I, I assume that you have the same issues that we have with people. Um, the most effective pitch is here's the story that I want to tell. Here's kind of, you know, the direction that I'm going in um, and not just, hey, I'd love to come on. 
Yeah, have it doesn't have to be, you know, we don't need to know like like all the details, but if you just have like a core idea, uh, you know, oh, you just finished a migration or you just went through, you know, an interesting, you know, job transition or, you know, just in a couple of sentences or short paragraph, just say, hey, I just did this and I think there's, you know, a story worth telling. Yeah, yeah, by all means. Um, that's what we need to know. If you just want to come on the shows, it's like, hey, I'd like to be famous for a few minutes. Well, it's all about community and you need to have something to share with that community, you know. That that's so have you know come come with something uh, it would be the big idea and the desire to be nerd famous is is not enough that's right okay. nerd famous exactly TM. it's for TM. the glory John for the glory all right <laughs> awesome all right um, final thoughts before we uh, break well I have a, a a bunch of like you know bullet points I can share of like some parting thoughts can we sure want me to go through those real quick that would be great. If I can do real quick, I don't know. Yeah. We're already at 90 minutes, guys, right? This so, guy's right. totally in a monologue, John. Watch this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I, kidding. I, I, I know you see this coming, right? Okay, so 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 here's some parting thoughts. All right. Just based on my career, since you guys put me in the position of having to reflect back on, on my career. But one, do pick your battles carefully. You can't do everything. Pick, pick a few things in, that you can win at in your career and, and do a few things well. Not a lot of things badly. And that comes from me. If you say yes to everything, you know, you spread yourself out too thin. You can't, you just won't excel, excel at everything. So pick something. So related to that, learn to say no. Um, sometimes human nature, often human nature, you want to say yes. But as soon as you come to, you're that person that says yes to everything, other people are going to fill your time with opportunities and exposure. Yeah, right. So when you get into the social media world and influencers and all that stuff, that happens all the time. Hey, people die of exposure, right? So strategically select the opportunities that align with the stuff that you're trying to get done, your personal goals, and and politely decline the rest. You know, learn to say no. Um, so, okay, here's another thing. If you have too much on your list, you know, people that, that are really uh, aggressive and ambitious get all these things on their list and they can't get everything done. Work in a linear fashion, then work each task to completion. So pick like a scalpel approach, not a shotgun approach where your task list has got 50 things on it and you try to work on all 50. No, you got to pick one at a time to get things done and then you'll, you'll accomplish stuff. Um, and related to that, social media is not going to help you accomplish anything. Just it really, I mean, opt out of social media. I think if you can mostly at least disengage or restrict, carefully control it, understand what it's good for. And it's not good for helping you get things done. It's a wicked distraction. Ethan, how, um, how are we going to get nerd famous if we don't pay attention to social media? I know, right? That's why I'm saying restrict because I mean, I, you know, I, I am active on somewhat active on Twitter, but I have to tune it out. That's that's the thing. For time to time, you just got to say no and uh, you know leave it alone so you can get something done. Um, uh, money. Uh, the point here I wanted to make about money is that, especially when you're younger, you think it's like the answer to everything. Well, money isn't as important as I think a lot of people think it is. I mean, it does matter to a point, right? No one wants to be, you know, struggling to pay their bills. But once you've reached the, a certain point, more money isn't going to change anything or move the needle. So be, be balanced about that. I bring that up because family comes first and don't sacrifice your significant other, your wife, your husband, whatever the case may be on the altar of your career. I don't know about you guys. I know a bunch of people that are divorced in this industry who are successful in the industry, 
but failures personally because they decided to let family go by the wayside that's 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 a tough thing and it's not always as simple as that right these things are complicated but um but that that's a thing i've just seen happen to a bunch of people um and the last point I want to make here, and I'll be done monologuing. You said I was going to be. I am. I know I'm, I'm totally doing it. But I love it. But, <laughs> there's there's a big point here that is something I've been guilty of uh, uh, not understanding for a long time. But that is you, you as an individual. You are a machine that needs regular maintenance. So don't neglect your physical health. You know, stress of the job being in a technology role and, and long commutes and and, and we make bad food choices because it's convenient or we're stressed out and, and we get fat and all of that has a really negative effect on our ability to perform. And you think, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good at what I do and, and so on. And yet there's no exercise and the food choices are terrible and you don't sleep enough. And, you know, when you're at your peak physical health, it actually affects your mental ability to perform as well. So don't, don't overlook that. And then the same token, don't overlook your mental health. Sleep is massive. Just it's a huge thing. I am two different people um, when I get my sleep versus when I don't get my sleep. I'm not. I suck to be around when I haven't slept well. I'm really. I'm no good. <laughs> Just no good. If I sleep good, my personality's better. I can think better. I can process tasks better. Um, you know, and so on. Don't sacrifice yourself because of whatever it is you think everyone else is expecting you to do. You matter and you got to take time to, to take care of yourself. So, all right, monologue done. I, I monologue done. Well, uh, I do have a book recommendation, uh, uh-huh. sh- shockingly enough. Uh, and that is uh, <laughs> David is. Allen's getting things done by David Allen. Oh my word. Yeah. GTD have a system. Work it. There, ah, see, shelf. there it is. Getting there things done. Go. I haven't read it for a while. I'm probably overdue for a reread, but yep, yep. yeah, I have it. Read it. Great book. Nothing. Nothing revolutionary. Nothing. But I do have. I I do have some questions. Uh, I actually want to know, Ethan, what's your favorite podcast on Packet Pushers today? What's a favorite one to do, be a part of? Like as in the, um, you know, we have different series. You're like, which, you know, which, which series, which channel, if you will. Mm-hmm. Which channel? Uh, so, so you're asking me to like, write, like pick which of my children. Um, okay. So <laughs> heavy networking is, is where we started. We used to call it the weekly show it, and it used to be just packet pushers back in the day. So that's, that gives me the chance to nerd out the most, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, as of right now, I'm planning a series of deeper shows for the next several months because some audience uh, members want heavier content more often. So, okay, we're going to go in hard and go in deep on a heavy networking. So that's a favorite, I guess it's kind of how the whole thing started. So it can, it'd be hard to displace that, but I do love data knots uh, a lot because what we're trying to do on data knots, um, which is to break IT silos down and get everyone talking to one another, because that's actually how you build an effective IT system, that remains a needful thing. Cloud and everything that's going on with cloud has only complicated the conversation enormously. Uh, dev and CI/CD pipelines, and uh, you know the shift from you know traditional virtualized machines to containers. Um, all of that is just. The conversation just needs to keep happening, um, and it's even bigger now than it was. And, and so I love Data Knots too. And you know, Chris and I getting on the mic and um, him 
busting on me for being a networking guy that has no uh, uh, good automation tools in our part of the industry because networking is just behind and, you know, it's just, it's just a good time. So, I mean, I do love Data Knots too. Data Knots is like the ultimate IT comedy team. I, I love it. <laughs> and you have some great technical content too. I, I just want to like fanboy for a second here. Uh, my favorite episode is the trials and tribulations of technical blogging. I have to say I listened to that about... Yeah. 10 times around the time that John encouraged <laughs> oh me to start blogging. And uh, anyway, it's good stuff. And, and I yeah. recommend that to people who uh, are considering blogging. As, yeah, as yeah thanks for one. saying that. Yeah, sure. But, uh, yeah, instead of actually blogging, you should listen to a podcast about, about blogging. That's blogging. right. Exactly. That's, That's right. right. Yeah. 10 times. Too funny. No, seriously, Too we funny. really appreciate you being on, Ethan. Great stuff. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, again, in sincerity, you guys took me to places I haven't, things I haven't thought about in quite a while. Um, you know that that were good places to revisit and, and share. So thanks for the opportunity. I think that is a full bingo for those who are playing along at home. Um, you took me to places I didn't expect to go. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was a Bet Midler song reference. Wind beneath my wings. No. Okay. <laughs> you would not have caught me doing a Bette Midler music reference under any circumstances. I, I thought he was friend. saying we were the wind beneath his wings, but maybe I read too much into it. Mm. I, I am really sh- more of a metalhead, more of a metalhead than a middler head. Yeah. I actually thought we short-circuited the game when uh, when he started out by saying that um, he, his job was in the in the in the basement. That's like everybody like everybody gets bingo at that point. Right. Did I know we were playing bingo? You guys didn't issue me a card. Come on. We, I would have helped. We make up the rules as we go along. So, Fair enough. Fair enough. That's right. We said if you didn't behave, we'd randomize the questions. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Ethan, thank you so much again for your time. Really appreciate your coming on. And uh, we will encourage everybody to subscribe to, well, I'm going to, you know, encourage a subscription to the Fat Pipe. That's that's my thing. I don't get to listen to every single show in any kind of timely manner. I have to still kind of pick and choose, but I love seeing it come across my uh, my podcatcher. I think I'm supposed to say podcatcher now, and um, uh, you know, send things into my uh, to do to listen. Yeah, to. if you're trying to figure out which packet pusher shows to listen to, just go to packetpushers.net slash subscribe. All the feeds are there, or just go right to your pod catcher podcast directory whatever just search for packet pushers and all the different feeds come up the fat pipe's got many of the shows the full pipe has every show which is a little bonkers and then you can see all the individual feeds too um i don't know how you could listen to all i I can't listen to all i don't listen to all of them it's not possible we're putting out way too many shows in the course of a week now to keep up with all of them but uh, i totally forgot that you you now have the full pipe because you have some some shows that aren't going in the fat pipe yeah yeah, the fact we had to we limited the fat pipe to like five shows. The full pipe is all of them, and it's uh, yeah, it's every show that we put out the door. Yeah, very cool. Well, again, thank you very much for your time, and uh, you know, want to give you uh, good wishes to the uh, to your future, and uh, good luck, and uh, thanks again. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Wow, Nick. Uh, Ethan was an amazing guest. He definitely was. Loved part two, just like I loved part one. But after listening to his story, John, should we just go ahead and start podcasting full time? 
Ah, right now I'm pretty happy uh, cashing all our advertising checks on top of the full-time cash. Advertising checks? Well, Nick, uh, I think that's it for that topic. And as a result, everything we had planned. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait. Don't stop recording this, John. What's going on? What's your line here? What's your line here? Just a reminder again that we'd like people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to us. If we're being helpful, we're always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey. That's my line. Where's my money, John? Don't tell me you blew it on the stock market. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White, at Journeyman for Nick Cordy, at Network Nerd underscore. Signing off. Seriously, we're getting advertisers? How much are we talking? Is the John White School of Mentoring not enough to